Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast, where we talk to the poets, performers, and visual artists of the Sacramento area. I got you here a treat. I got here a poet who not only is a youth poet laureate of Sacramento, but is also becoming the finalist of the National Youth Poet Laureate. I have to give you none other than the fabulous graduates going to Stanford. I have to give you Alexandra Wynn. Thanks for having me, Sharon. Glad you're here. I mean, I know long overdue because I've been, yes, you yeah. know, I, I ain't go, I am not going to lie. I knew about Cloudy's because she, she was all around and stuff, but then trying to <laughs> find yours, your um, just trying to find you. I was, it was like a, like a little game of trying to find words. I was like, Patrice wasn't telling me. She's like, oh yeah, I'll give you hers. Patrice wasn't giving to me. And then I was trying to find out, oh, Cloudy, you know where she's at? It's like, no, I don't know where she's at. I'm like, good gosh. <laughs> This woman is, she's hard to find. <laughs> but we, but I did find you when you did do your um thing with, um, um when you did do the holiday um, performance with um, uh, Andrew for his thing. And then also for uh, some of the stuff you did for um, Sacramento Poetry and being the VP, I found out. I was like, yeah, I got her. And that's how we got hooked up. So, first of all, let me be honest. I did not know. I knew you right when you were finalists at the the, the Sacramento Youth Poet Laureates. That's when I first met you. I knew about Cloudy already, but you came in my you came in the same my same radar. The time when Cloudy was Cloudy and you both won. The the final both won as a co-laureate of Sacramento for 2020. Mm-hmm. I am I would say first of all I was surprised how 2020 went, but I am not surprised how y'all adapted. And sure enough, that's that's one of the greatest things. So let's let's talk about what got you into poetry because that's just a strange act. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that I've been a writer for most of my life, but I never called myself a writer. So I really liked writing songs when I was a kid. And I think I gravitated towards songs first because it was a way for me to distill down these really complex emotions into something that was memorable and that I could share with people. So I found myself writing songs for a bunch of group projects and any kind of creative project in school. And then I just kept doing that throughout middle school and high school. And then from junior year of high school, I actually heard about the Sacramento Area Youth Speaks Poetry Slam. That could be interesting to try. I'd never done anything like that before. And I knew that I liked public speaking, but I, I wasn't really one to put myself in front of an audience unless I really wanted to. So I remember they said for the preliminary round of the competition, you have to prepare a few poems. So I wrote two poems and I was sitting after school just being super anxious because I'd never done anything like this before. And 
right as I walked up to the room where it was happening, I remembered peering in through the door and seeing no one that I knew. And I walked right by and I was like, oh man, I feel like I should just have some courage and go in there and try it out. But I, I couldn't do it. And I called my sister because I knew that she'd be able to give me a pep talk. And we were on the phone and she was like, just do it. You truly have nothing to lose. So I went in and I read my poems and I was just so floored by how supportive everyone was. And by, well, I didn't have to write about anything except for my own life. And that was enough. Like my authentic experience was enough to be worthy of people's time. And that made me want to keep coming back to it. So I advanced through all three rounds of competition. I ended up getting second place in the slam. And that won me a spot on the Sacramento area Youth Speak Slam team, which gave me the opportunity to compete at Brave New Voices, which is this international poetry festival for youth. And I couldn't go that year because I had another summer commitment. But still, that opened up a bunch of doors for me, and it really got me into the youth poetry world, so to speak. So, and speaking of that, so you, as you got into, as I read, you you also were at your your mm-hmm. high school, you were an editor-in-chief. So being that you kind of doubled up on your job taking and then also said, well, might as well become a poet. <laughs> along with the ride, uh, you kind of, that's kind of an interesting pro- trajectory to go from, well, oh, I'm, I'm doing stuff well, but I do want to do some of this. So I'm, I'm going to try it since I am a writer. It's like, okay. Um, what got you, what made you want to do says in the first, just, just, just because it was something that was going on in the school or how'd you find out about says? Did you, did you find out about Patrice? Somebody who yeah, I actually heard about says through, a flyer about one of their slams in my sophomore year. And I remember being really interested in the concept of a poetry slam. So when they were advertising it over our PA speaker in my junior year, that's when I decided, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot. But yeah, it was really through word of mouth that I heard about says. Okay. And then being on the team and stuff, you said, so you didn't go to, you went to the, the local slam, but you didn't go to the main one. Because Yeah, so I actually had a summer research program that I was going to during that summer. I've always been very interdisciplinary, I guess you could say. I'm interested in both the humanities and sciences, so I actually had to turn down the the big trip to the competition in exchange for six weeks of doing scientific research at UC Santa Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so you so what got you from so you going through says and stuff and being so you were basically a member, not an alternate. Yeah. You were a full member on okay and team. So what got you from says to go look into doing the youth poet laureate um by um application or application? Yeah, it was actually uh relatively seamless transition. I had heard about the Sacramento Youth Poet Laureate position, and once I was more well-connected with Coco and Patrice, who runs the program, 
uh, they told me that they thought that I would be a good candidate for it and that I should apply. So that summer or that fall after I had come back from my research program, I decided to submit an application for the Sacramento Youth Poet Laureate. And here we are. Uh, I actually I won and became the Poet Laureate with Claudia, who's amazing. So, so and, and that's, that was one of the funniest things because it, it's, it was one of those times where even, even they were shocked mm-hmm. that two people won. And they both had both, the, they both, you both tied. And, and that's one thing that when I, that was my, actually, that was my first, that was my first time going to an inauguration for Paul Lori. So it was just funny seeing how, I, you did your performance and everyone else doing their performance. And then finding out at the end when everyone else became ambassadors, while you two were basically, you two were the, the tie runners that became, well, we might as well give them both to them. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I didn't know we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a competition to the fit. It's like, <laughs> competition to the finals. <laughs> so, I, so being that that happened and stuff, and you know the funniest thing out of the twenty uh, twenty twenty before everything came what it was was the fact that it was a lot. And I always hear this from a lot of people: it's almost like they had there was a high hope that was going up before everything else went down. So even seeing even seeing you and Cloudy going into twenty twenty, seeing um, Andrew Defy being the new poet laureate of Sacramento, it just gave a lot of this high hope. You know, something new was going to happen. Something something that we weren't suspecting was going to happen before, you know, the, the actual COVID or whatever came came about. But how, how did that make you feel even more? Because um, I know I, I never, you were, you were like, what, 17? 17. When, yeah. okay. So you didn't, you didn't go to too many of the, um, area um poetry stuff like Sacramento Poetry Center. No. Okay. So yeah, just not so see not seeing you, you know, around the, the community and stuff was it was a basic interesting uh or even or even over at Carver Car, um Carva Bar mm-hmm. in Davis they they have going on and stuff. It was just it was it was interesting seeing a new face that no one else was that no one else noticed. So I was like, oh okay that's yes and and how does that feel being new to something you walking into something that you weren't really privy to know about i think there is a a sense of freedom that comes with not having any expectations on you because no one's really seen your work before at the same time i think it is a bit terrifying because I don't know what the norm is for how poets carry themselves in these spaces. And I'm still figuring out what my identity as a poet is. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm always so excited and heartwarmed by how, how willing people are to just connect with me, hear about my work and learn from me so I can learn from them. I think that the poetry community has been so welcoming in in every aspect of the word, but especially during this time. I think even on Zoom calls, if there's 
a warmth that's palpable that you can't replicate in any other space. Right. And did you know about the poetry community before um, you, you um, did your first says or even in the Port Lord, did you know about the poet community in Sacramento or even Davis going on? No, I didn't know how rich of a poetry community we had until I started getting into says. So it's been a it's been a huge um, process of discovery that yeah. always leaves me with a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. And be, and as a as a person get redheaded Stanford and stuff, <laughs> and so so what are you going to study in Stanford? Just what the humanities or what was the Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, whenever people ask me, I always say chemical engineering, okay. which is probably the direction I'm headed in. I think I want to do some kind of engineering because I really love quantitative thinking mm-hmm. and I want to really push myself to problem solve in a new way and get that skill set. But I, I want to minor in urban studies and creative writing because I'm personally really interested in how the systems and the worlds we build impact our own lives, right? How do we how do we create cities that are more equitable and sustainable for people, uh, for our health, but not just physical, mental health too. And I, I really want to look at the intersection between social justice, and the ways that we can engineer solutions to move in that direction uh, in terms of what I want to do after I graduate from college. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I want to go to graduate school to become an urban planner, or I might want to switch to a master's in fine arts for poetry, but we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm very up in the air still, but I know that I, I want to have some kind of background in science and and the humanities so that I can blend the two in my future work. There are there are several scientists or even um, uh, software engineers, chemical engineers that are in Sacramento that or even in Davis that also are poets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if you knew about that. Natachi, uh, yeah. um, Sarah, Ote. Or, Otai, uh, who's on Sacramento Poetry Kid. Yeah, you know, those are these are scientists and stuff that work at Davis or work in the area that are actual astounding poets. And they've also, you know, Natachi went to says, so it was like there's somebody you can she's she's a says graduate says alumni also. So something I, I see the I see the the markings of someone going from doing chemical engineering or or you know doing social work into being into also or urban engineering, but also loving poetry at the same time. So it's, it's not a it's not a far thing to see all it all connecting and stuff. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so here's the here's the big one then. So what got you now interested in taking on national poet laureate? And that's like you're now going from ranking up from lieutenant to now I want to be a captain into the next the next round. What's up? What's going on there? Yeah. It's definitely a big step. And to to be quite honest with you, I didn't think that I had the the ability to make it here. 
I kind of just wanted to see what was possible because knowing that I was a Sacramento Youth Poet co-laureate, I was eligible to apply for the National Youth Poet Laureate. And I actually decided to take a gap year after my senior year of high school. So with this free time, I thought, why not try to apply for this position? And in the process, I think I'll learn a lot about myself as a poet. So it really couldn't hurt. And after I submitted the application uh, in January, they notified us that, that I was one of the winners. And it was mind bending to say the least. I truly never thought that my poetry would be able to stand up against poets from Oakland and Los Angeles, let alone the other 11 states that were in the Western region that I was competing against. And I felt a lot of imposter syndrome, which is to say that I don't know if my experiences can speak for the youth in the Western region of the United States. And feeling that uncertainty, how am I supposed to be the National Youth Poet Laureate? So I've definitely had a lot of internal conflict in terms of believing whether or not I am deserving of this role, because I think that there are countless youth poets who are better poets than me, who have more interesting stories than me. And it's been a, a constant challenge to remind myself that I'm here for a reason and that I have a unique perspective that can enrich people's lives if my voice is amplified. So I'm not, I'm both excited and terrified. <laughs> to say the least. Okay. And as you, as you pointed out, it is a unique voice, but it's a voice that needs to be heard and all the other, all the other noise that's been, that's been thrown around. I mean, mm -hmm. being, being as a, a Vietnamese, uh, being a Vietnamese, um, Vietnamese, you also have to deal with the fact of being categorized as only being Asian. Yeah. And it's so much, you know, it's, Asian is vast. Not a, not a one, it's not a one clock deal. So, and being that, you know, Chinese get their voice, Japanese get their voice or whatever, you do have a voice in that characteristic and your voice is much different than theirs. So I see, I see it as, yeah, it, it needs to be heard. It, you need so to be, yeah. You don't, yeah, you know, as much as it, it's what got you, it's not only what's getting you there, it's also what need, what's, you are going to help someone who is also not, who has a voice, who maybe, you know, maybe a different type of Indian, you know, it might not be just Indian, it might be, it might be Sikh or Dahi, you know, some, not everyone is to be compartmentalized as, oh, you're just this. Yeah. You're way there. Exactly. Yeah, I've been rediscovering the importance of intersectionality during this application process because I remember when I was writing the essay, I felt so frustrated because I felt like I had to reduce myself to a soundbite, to a sales pitch, to be uh, an attractive candidate for the National Youth Poet Laureate, but I ended up writing my application about how I am not one thing and 
that's exactly what this nation needs right now to move in the direction of hope and unity by accepting people in their identity, by accepting their whole identities and knowing that there is there's no one voice that can speak for this nation and trying to embrace them. So what the other finalists and I have been trying to do is really collaborate with each other and learn from each other. And that's been one of the most unexpected but pleasant surprises of this process is that I have three new best friends and there's something so special about having friends who are poets as a poet because you guys understand each other's ways of moving through the world and in becoming friends with them it's really made the, the entire process less daunting because I don't feel like I'm trying to carry the experiences of the nation on my shoulders alone. I feel like we all come from such diverse backgrounds and we stand in solidarity with one another and want to uplift each other. And we, as a whole, make up something that's much greater than just the sum of our parts. And that's that's been a really lovely thing to internalize during all of this. Yeah, because I did read your I did read your um autumn prayer poem, uh, basically talking about a soldier who is going through the process of base. Is he basically is is because I was reading it. He basically he seemed like he was an old man who was a soldier back in the days. Is he trying to process himself now being American, as remembering his past but still knowing his future? What what what's the the main point of that? Yeah, that's a really interesting take on it. I actually wrote it from the perspective of me sitting in a classroom, learning about the Vietnam War. And my history teacher spewing information at me that felt very clinical and sanitized. And then halfway through the poem, I kind of have this moment of clarity where I realized that the educational experience that I'm having right now, where I feel like I'm being reduced to a statistic or just that immigrant girl can be changed. And I want it to. So I'm going to list all the things that I want to change. So that's the prayer portion of Autumn Prayer. That actually opens up a little more than <laughs> what I was like. You're right. It is interesting about the education of what what pieces are what pieces they use and what pieces they don't. And mm-hmm. that's a good point. That now, now I see a little bit more broader than what it what I was curious about. Um you're so for you being so for you being a finalist for the Western Region Regional Ambassador and then going into doing national, which we now I've now found out about. Amanda Gorman was once in 2017. And what does that, I know she's, she's a California native and you're a California native. What does that kind of put you, does that kind of, kind of give you a little bit of like, oh, cause even, I ain't gonna lie. I did not know her until she actually went to the inauguration and did her poem. And then went on to do the Super Bowl and it's like, who's this woman? <laughs> So even knowing where she's come from, it's like, and now I got people telling me, well, you need to call her and do a poem here. I'm like, I 
okay, don't think I'll be able to, but I'm going to try. Um, what does that position do you see it, it going to be, or what do you want it to be? That's a great question. I think it's something that I'm still reflecting on. It's really mind-boggling to know that I'm standing in the exact same place that Amanda Gorman was just four years ago. And knowing that I have four years ahead of me to get to even a fraction of where she is now is actually pretty encouraging. I feel I feel very hopeful at what I can accomplish in this position. And honestly, she's such a huge role model to me because of the way that she controls these heartbreaking issues with race and tenacity. So I'm hoping to just embody those same traits while I'm here. And while I, I don't know if I'll be able to get to her same level. I think knowing that she's been able to open these doors to stand in front of audiences that are in the in the order of millions of people is really encouraging for me because I know that I can get there myself, even though I don't know how exactly I'll get there. But you have done you have done speeches before. Like I did see your speech you did for your your high school. Yes. When you graduated and stuff. And so was that, so was that, since it was during the you know, quarantine, did you have to do that with no one there? Because my daughter had, my daughter had her eighth grade graduation and all they did was send pictures and some people sent videos and they all, you know, collaborate, collide the videos, collage the videos together. Did you have to, was the class there or was everyone was just you and a microphone and video, and a video camera. Yeah, I was actually able to perform for a small group of our teachers that were socially distanced inside, even though it wasn't a live performance for all of my classmates. It was still, it was so nice to be able to have that live interaction with an audience. So yes, I did have a small audience to perform for. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And you have been the news. You have been uh, since your since your um, since you being a finalist for the um, the regional and stuff. You have been the newspaper and stuff. And you had a poem in the newspaper uh, pointing out about heritage, where you the lessons you learned during quarantine. How, how so? Give it, give, give it a paraphrase. What lessons? Have you learned during quarantine? I mean, I've heard I heard the poem, but I'm saying what what's the lesson that you learned during quarantine? Because I know we all have because poems we have to basically make it short enough where it's like okay, we just take these few points and then keep going. Yeah. <laughs> we don't read the full story. <laughs> in short, in quarantine, I've learned to not be afraid of negative feelings, to accept them, and trust that. Any discomfort I'm feeling is a valid reaction to all the chaos that's happening in the world, but to also have hope that in working in tandem with people who care just as much as you, 
you'll be able to create positive change. And that's definitely something that I've been seeing with the rise of mutual aid organizations during the pandemic with increasing support for the Black Lives Matter movement. It's, it's been incredibly inspiring to see my peers really step up and speak out about these issues that have been longstanding in our nation and that are finally starting to change. That's good. I can see that. But, you know, congratulations on you being the Western Regional Ambassador. But I also want to say, have you ever thought about making a book? I have. I have. I don't want to rush myself (laughs) because, one, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I know that it's going to be an excruciating process when I do decide to start making a book. But I don't think that I've fully explored my capacity as a poet yet to be comfortable with showcasing it in a book. I want to keep writing and see if any themes come up where naturally I feel like it would fit into one collection as a book or if I want to publish a more diverse collection of works. I think I need some more time to develop as a writer. Okay. Um, is youth, youth for Lori is a yearly or a two-year um, title? The City Youth Poet Laureate is typically a one-year term. Okay. But for this year, we're going to have a two-year term just okay. because of okay. the situation. Unconventional circumstances. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> but but in, in in that in that sense, then if you do become if you do win the national. Does that mean you just kind of like, well, I'll let go of your title or you keep double titles? I think <laughs> I'll, I'll keep double titles. <laughs> <laughs> just wearing my belts. Like, yeah, I was wearing the belts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Most definitely. So that's, that was good. I mean, let's hear, let's, let's go on to make, doing your poem because I know your poem, Inheritance, mm-hmm. is very, is, as, as much as it's been put out there, is a very uh, powerful piece. And I'll let you take over and get yourself ready to do it. And we're going to let Alexandria do Inherit. These days, I welcome the silence, feel the earth hold me. Even in the absence of sound, I'm still listening to all the stories still called fiction. I carve them on the pavement so you may know which way is home. Or else, I let the noise be noise and do not use obligation as distraction. I am not appliance, no domestic creature meant to serve. I am a person. I am a person. There is an existence not driven by guilt. There is a word for how I feel, and I am not afraid to know its name. My mind is not a prison, but a prism. And I have learned that shadows are a given in the presence of unspeakable light. And my days are not tallied, though they are numbered. So I count my kindnesses and say love more than goodbye. I count my meals instead of the weight I carry. I carry what is useful forward. The few things I've gathered. Socks are still socks, even if mismatched. Everything I was told about a clean room was true. You can still see a smile under a mask. 
The way I speak to myself is the way I speak to you. I should unmute myself more often. I need water more than I recall. The people in this room can also smile. The people in this room are also people. Even as I untether myself from this built world, I know I exist. The battles continue where my feet stand. I need no pictures to prove it. The celebrations live inside my bloodline. I need no ribbon to prove it. I'm already a triumph. Every day I breathe. And years from now, when I become ancestor, I will tell them all about the courage of distance, how we learn to hold space instead of hands. I will tell them about the color of courage, how loss echoed through an entire generation and the children became teachers. Learned love is not defined by age. I will tell them of this land we ripped from a people we can never repay, but we will try and try. I will tell them about the way a footstep can be felt on the other side of the planet. So mind your soul, move only in truth. You have inherited this silence. Now make it sing. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. That, that was, I like that. <laughs> so what's, what's coming up for you? What's the next thing for Alexandra's journey? So right now I'm actually working with the other finalists for the National Youth Poet Laureate to launch a podcast. Oh, so be on the lookout for that. And I'm also launching a website soon. Not sure how far into the future my book is, but I'll definitely be posting updates on my journey on my website and on my Instagram, uh, which you can follow at Alexandra Zero Huyn, and Huyn is spelled H-U-Y-N-H. All right. Well, there you go, people. Check it out. Alexandra's got some more stuff. Check her thing out. She's gonna. They're going to announce the winner on May 2021. So keep an eye on that. You're gonna see our you're gonna see our sack girl get out there and win this one for the sack women's Valoria up top. <laughs> Another California native on the mark. But no, thank you for coming out, Alexandra. Hey, I, I, I this was overdue. I ain't gonna lie, this was overdue. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. For more information, please go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Iambic Zine. I-A-M-B-I-C-Z-I-N-E. Thank you.